Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And with that, the NFL offseason, I guess, is officially underway. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. We are less than two weeks away from the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. So the official start of the offseason certainly um, begins very, very quickly if you are the Rams and the Bengals. I'm Kevin Bowen, back another edition of The Corner. I think it's the first time I've ever used that phrase, The Corner. Eddie Garrison is with us out of the bullpen. Chris feeling a little bit under the weather. You guys have heard Eddie on our airwaves and certainly on this podcast several times. Eddie, I know you had some rooting interest in Cincinnati, um, emotional interest. I don't know if it was financial, but emotional you did. So apologies on how that one ended. I had emotional interest in Cincinnati, but I had financial interest in the Rams. So it was a win-win either way for me. Yeah, I think I was kind of in the same boat. Um, Today's podcast, we're going to get into the quarterback options for the Colts. We've kind of delayed this a few weeks, and honestly, I'm thinking to myself, we probably should get to it because (laughs) there could be some movement. Um, But let's begin with the Super Bowl. We'll obviously do Twitter questions to cap things. You know, when I ended the show Friday, Eddie, with Jake in the mornings and just why am I picking the Rams? More impactful players at the other positions that aren't quarterback. And as much as Jalen Ramsey had some up and down moments, I also think Ramsey, you know, we forget about the play he made on T. Higgins, you know, on that first drive of the game. Right after he got burned by Chase, yeah. Yeah, right after he got Chase. I guess the, um, they're set them up for the field goal. For Cincinnati kick a field goal, I think it was. Mm-hmm. That was a huge play in the game. You saw it. I would have handed out co-MVPs for Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. You know, in the third quarter when the Rams are so stuck in mud, it was Donald in that defensive line that kept them in it. You know, if Cincinnati gets one more score, there's a huge play there in the third quarter. After the interception, off of Ben Skronik, shout out to Notre Dame's hands, that, that pick by <laughs> Stafford. Um, you know, Cincinnati can punch it in there and go up two scores. And Donald on a third and three just manhandles the right guard, just bull rushes him right into Burrow. And again, it's a third and three. I mean, very manageable situation. Cincinnati picks that up there, and they score a touchdown. Now they're up two scores. And boy, I don't know if the Rams have the potency to get, you know, yes, they eventually got two scores, but still, you know, that's just a different psyche. And you you certainly have to abandon the run. Granted, I thought Sean McVay should have abandoned it a little earlier. Um but I just felt like I watched that Sunday night, and in terms of the Colts, I thought to myself two things, Eddie. Chris Ballard was really frustrated by the Colts in one-score games, two, being 2-5 and five this past year. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, when we talk about closers, you talk about pass rush, and you talk about a passing offense, they can be a closer, too, and kind of putting games away. Well, the Rams needed to get the lead, so they needed to make sure that their bats did the work, and then their bullpen came in. And the bullpen was Donald in closing that out. The other thing that I thought back to was, and I remember having this conversation, hell, this would have been Joey Molinaro and I back a few years ago. When the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, we mentioned how it's not necessarily about 1-53 to and roster depth. Yep. It really boils down to a handful of positions in today's NFL, and that being quarterback, that being wideout, that being left tackle. You could probably group the pass rush together as the entire D-line, and then cornerback would be the other one I'd throw in there. And if you look at the past, really dating back to the Chiefs, so Chiefs, Bucks, Rams, and you look at those five positions, you know, the Colts having great roster depth helped you out in Arizona this year. I mean, you certainly needed to rely on that, 
But ultimately, you look at, you know, Stafford Wentz, you know, Cooper Cup, Michael Pittman, and the rest of the wideout group from there. Hell, Andrew Whitworth, Eric Fisher is probably a draw. Some might argue Whitworth's a better pass pass blocker. Certainly the D-line, it's laughable to compare the Rams pass rush or the Colts pass rush to the Rams pass rush. And then at corner as well, the Rams are superior in all five of those spots. Uh, the Bucks were superior the previous year. The Chiefs certainly the year before that. So that's what it, we've gotten at this kind of for two or three years now, and we've seen it come to light more and more. Um, it boils down to those spots more than ever. You want to have depth. Other positions matter to a degree. They don't matter as much as those five. And I think that, to me, walking away from the Super Bowl and the playoffs in general, Eddie, I was reminded of that. The old cliche, it's about players, not plays, KB. And if you've got a bunch of just players – like the Rams did, and at, like the Bengals. At those spots. Yeah, too. yeah. And you don't just have guys. You've got serious dudes. Mm-hmm, it makes yeah. a legit difference. You look like Tampa Bay, they had Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul right. on the outside. Sue. And Adama and Sue on the inside with Vita Vea. And then this year with the Rams, you have, of course, you have Aaron Donald. But Leonard Floyd made a couple plays. Von Miller made a handful of plays. Um, and then you have Cooper Cup in I don't know if there's a more dominant offensive player Oof. at his position. You can throw out, uh, you can throw out Devontae Adams, but dude, that last drive it was Cooper Cup and nobody else. Did you see the stat going around yesterday? Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup in the fourth quarter this year in the playoffs. Mm-mm. Stafford to Cup, twelve targets, twelve receptions for two hundred some yards, nine first downs, and two touchdowns. Like, think about that, Eddie. The fourth quarter of a playoff game when everyone in the building knows who you want to get the ball to. Certainly Sunday. I mean, think about it. Tyler Higbee is hurt coming into the game. They're number one tight end. Odell Beckham gets hurt in the first half. Huge loss in that game. And yet they still find Cup. Um, We'll get into it a little bit later, but, like, I know the Matthew Stafford no-look pass to Cup has kind of made its rounds. Watching that video and the replay now, Eddie, I thought to myself two things. Um, we had Kurt Warner on the morning show. I think you and I were texting about that, I think, at one point. Maybe. I think so. We had Kurt Warner on the morning show a few weeks ago, and Warner was talking about Carson Wentz and his eyes. It feels like the eyes let Car- let Kurt Warner know how great of a processor you are at quarterback. Mm-hmm. You watch that play by Stafford. He knows Von Miller, or excuse me, Von Bell. Yep the safety for Cincinnati, is looking at his eyes. So Von Bell reads Stafford's eyes. Stafford manipulates him to the flat or kind of that area to the right of cup if you're looking at it from behind the huddle. And yet he trusts himself. Obviously he's got an arm that can make that throw, but he trusts himself to make that throw. And he hits Cooper Cup in stride. I mean, Cup didn't even have one bit of hesitation and making that catch there. So that was my first thought. And my other thought was a point we made on last week's podcast of you saw it with Andy Reid a handful of years ago now. You saw it with Kyle Shanahan, I guess, last draft. You saw it with Sean McVay last offseason. Three of the more brilliant offensive minds in the NFL. Mm -hmm. But with those three at various points in their careers, they have said to themselves, probably in a meeting room, Guys, we've got a good quarterback. We need someone that can do more. Can do something that I can't draw on that whiteboard behind me. And it was Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. It was 
the 49ers was trying, obviously, with Jimmy Garoppolo to Trey Lance, and then obviously Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. It was a reminder, and I think watching these playoffs, and I'm curious to hear from Chris Bauer and Frank Reich at the Combine in, in, in a couple of weeks, because you know when we talked to them after the season ended, the playoffs hadn't started. Mm-hmm. Were, were the playoffs a reminder, or did it send a message to them? Is there a, a change of thinking and saying, man, you got to raise the ceiling at quarterback. Even you know? when, and another thing that stood out to me is happened early in the game, and Chris Collinsworth pointed out it was Joe Burrow, and it was it was one of those first drives. I can't remember what. I think it was that drive where they were after the chase play or whatever, and the Rams were bringing the pressure, and you could just see Burrow's eyes. He just like nope, 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 yep, out of my hand, mm-hmm. and right into the flat. I'm like, and that's the kind of stuff you need, and to see that from him in his second year after missing so many games last year. Plus, giving us pass protection. Yeah. You know, he knows full well that he doesn't have a clean pocket for for too, too long. So, um, shout out to the Rams. I I think I had Bills over Rams at the start of the year was my Super Bowl prediction. Um, I was kind of in the same boat. You know, I had Cincinnati. I bet on Cincinnati to win the AFC title leading into the divisional round. So, I was lucky I got that W, but then rode the Rams with a Super Bowl prop. It just, that Bucks game... I guess I should say, I think I bet on them before the Bucks game, the Cardinals game. Watching Von Miller and Odo Beckham, because like, mm-hmm. they, they kind of were hit, or hit and miss those final few regular season games. Like I think the Rams almost had some maintenance with Von Miller a little bit, and Odell, you just, you know, Robert Woods tears ACL, so that obviously put him more into the limelight. But um, incredible. Cooper Cup, absolutely incredible. Aaron Donald is the greatest defensive player that I have seen in my NFL lifetime, my lifetime as well being 32 years old so unbelievable season the final seven games I think six of them were three-point margins and the seventh one was a seven-point margin which again is just wild to think about it like that as well so um, the joy on my wife's face when she looked at me last night and was like wait no Monday night football (laughs) bachelor and this is where we are at until did you say September I reluctantly said yes. I said we can watch highlights. We can watch you know old <laughs> games. You know, I we can go that route if you want to. Uh, joy on her face, not joy on my face. But uh, great season. You don't like watching shoot. Clayton on The Bachelor? Uh, boy, I I don't tune into a lot. My wife is not a Clayton fan at all whatsoever. Neither is my girlfriend. No. Nope. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. He's like so boring. Same conversation with everybody. Blah blah blah. She was happy that he opened up a little bit last night, or I don't know. One of the girls opened up. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where we're at in the Bowen household right now. Um, All right, let's get into it, Eddie. Quarterback options for the Colts. Let's start here. Um, There's four of them I've kind of painted out. We we will get to Twitter questions after this. Um, I sent you the link. What's the first one? Let me get my announcer voice. Number one, (laughs) Carson Wentz, keep him. So that's option one. Um, We'll get a little bit in the Mortensen report from the weekend. You know, I think if you guys have listened to this podcast, you know that to me it was kind of only a matter of time for the national media to kind of take on what I think a lot of us here locally felt um, about that. Um, let me actually text my wife real fast. My daughter had a uh, appointment um, this morning. Well, twenty monther for Rosie Bow. Dad duty. That's yeah. the pod is going on. <laughs> uh, One thing I want to point out. About that Mort report? Yeah. 
is there's that picture of him in the box of with Jim Irsay. Right, right. Thank you for that. Uh, and part of me believes that that's where it's coming from. So you think it dates back to January? Uh, I think I think so. It dates back a little bit there, and maybe more I, more to veteran. He's probably one of those guys that checks in every now and then when he hear, like kind of picks up on something, and he's like, "Oh yeah," and he just yeah. kind of casually mentioned it, it was, and then that's how I think that report came to fruition a little bit. Yeah, I'll touch more on that in Twitter questions. Um, but no, I do think that's a good point that you bring up there, and something I wanted to focus on. So keeping Carson Wentz, you know, solely based on finances and resources. If, if you made the decision solely on that, you would bring back Wentz. Um, just because financially it makes sense. You don't have the number one, you know, you don't have the first round pick. And is there an element of year two under Frank Reich, full off season, Carson's going to have a full training camp? Do you think there's more there? Like those are, those are the reasons. And again, some people will roll their eyes, some people will laugh at this, but like let's just address it, keeping Wentz. Um, I come back to the. Chris Ballard reaction to when he was asked at his season-ending presser, mm-hmm. are the things fixable? And Ballard just kind of looked and shrugged his shoulders a little bit, and, well, that's something we got to figure out with our coaching staff. You know, I mean, like, that's not a lot of conviction. That's not a lot of confidence for a G-man head coach that usually have a lot in those sorts of situations there. Um, so I think that is kind of the bigger question of, like, all right, year seven, 29 years old, you know, is this stuff still correctable at this point, or is Wentz who he is? Um, so I think that is the debate that you have in keeping him. And also, and this is something we've talked about, there's kind of these two paths, Eddie, if you keep him, then that allows you to focus $40 million in free agency on your in-house guys, on a couple of you know out-of-house guys. Then you come back to the draft, you have the second rounder, you have the third rounder. You, know, you, you have like... I think you have room to make four substantial moves, two mm-hmm. in free agency, two in the draft. Um, that allows you to maybe cross off, okay, here's a wideout, here's a tight end, here's a you know edge rusher, here's a left tackle of the future, like along those lines. So it allows you to support the quarterback, even though the quarterback might be the same guy. I agree. Uh, and I... When you say 29 years old and there's things he still needs to fix, to me, that's just like a red flag. Like, you've been in the league for seven years now and you still have some of the same issues yeah. that you had when you came into the league or you're you're regressing more than you are progressing. I don't know. To me, it's just I, I it's just skeptical to me. Like, you you should be getting better as you get further along in your career, not at a standstill or even going backwards. Like... You could argue this is the best offensive line he has played with in his career outside of the, what was that, 2017 Super Bowl year? Mm-hmm. They had, yeah. The Eagles did have a really good offensive line then, but you can still kind of see those Philadelphia issues coming back towards as the season wore down and got further along. Just holding onto the ball too long, very inconsistent, and then it seemed like he didn't trust his reads toward the right. end of the year. And that part, that last part... I've used the phrase a lot, kind of the mental scarring. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point in Peyton's career, you know, if you want to kind of look back on the man outside of Lucas Oil, he had won an MVP, I think two MVPs maybe at that point. Um, it was kind of just like a mental hurdle with the playoffs. You know, we haven't even really seen Carson Wentz in the playoffs yet, mm-hmm. Eddie. So, like, that's kind of the next layer of this of, uh, boy, you're really projecting far out there. So that would be 
concern I have. Um, okay, so keeping Carson Wentz, what was uh, the next option? Trade for a quarterback. Okay, um, this is the path, Eddie, that would likely offer the quickest fix. Um, have you in a position to be a January-type team next year, but it also would be the costliest. And it also is an option as we sit here on February 15th and record this, you say who? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels like the momentum is very much of Russell Wilson staying in Seattle. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's kind of building to Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay a little bit. You know, we, we might be a couple of hurdles away from getting there, but that seems to be the point. I've talked about it a lot over the past month. If you're a Colt fan and you want Carson Wentz to be gone, you need to pray for dominoes. You want yeah. Watson to be traded. You want Rodgers to be traded. You want Wilson to be traded. They might not come here, but it might all of a sudden mean, oh, wow, that guy's available. Oh, wow, that guy you know, could be um, you know, f- for the right price, things like that. So um, the reason I sit here and think it's still somewhat realistic that a trade is possible, you know, I don't think Jim Mercer steps in much, but does he step in here and says, guys, I say all chips in. I've watched the last two years, you know, first-year starting quarterbacks win Super Bowls with their respective teams. Mm-hmm. Um, they traded for both of those guys in Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady. Now, again, is a Brady or a Stafford available right now? It doesn't look like it, but does one become available in the next month? Do you need to call all 31 teams and find out, hey, you know, we are all, all of our chips are in? There's another layer to the debate of like what type of trade package could you create? You know, mm-hmm. Is that enticing enough? Um, so that's another layer to it. But if you're going for the all chips in, this is the route that you go with. Um, but having said that, it's also the costliest. I think uh, with if you if Russell Wilson does become available if, and if they can make a package and or a run at him, I think he may provide the. L- best long-term option at the same time even though it may cost you more dollars like you would pay for that because he's been in the big games he's won what two super bowls uh one right seattle didn't they lose they beat denver lost to the patriots that's right yeah so one but certainly many runs (laughs) but he's been in the playoffs yeah he understands what it's like to be a leader terrific guy off the field too right oh i mean hell he's sitting next to the commish on sunday night right so there are so many things that come with Russell Wilson, not just a player that provides some long-term clarability. Uh, not clarability. It's not even a word. Um, sounded like a word to me. <laughs> Maybe I just made it one. I don't know. <laughs> but it gives you some clarity long-term yeah. if you're able to get a guy like Russell Wilson. Well, I, I'm glad you brought the leadership component, Eddie, because to produce a trade like you're going to have to produce, we know what leadership means to the Colts. We know what it means at quarterback. And you're going to have to check that box. Again, DeForest Buckner, that you know played mm-hmm. into that trade as well. Um, okay, the next one that we went with. Sign a free agent. So. Fitz Magic. <laughs> yeah. So the list, Eddie. Um, Teddy Two Gloves. Seriously. Bridgewater, Fitzpatrick, Cam, Andy Dalton, Mariota, Winston. Is Jacoby a top 20 quarterback again? Oh, no. go back there? <laughs> Can we not do this again? You know, when you look at the list, I almost walk out of the room and say, why not just play Sam Ellinger? Chad Kelly, bring him in. <laughs> I saw Chad Kelly sign in the CFL, um, like, which is just kind of crazy to say. You know, like Ellinger is an actual possibility compared to those guys. I think such a signing, it would Im- 
It would help your competition. It would provide a more experienced backup. But aren't you still in quarterback purgatory? Mm-hmm. Like, aren't you still there? And I've always said this. If I'm making a Band-Aid move, the Band-Aid move, and Brady was a Band-Aid, clearly. We saw it, you know, two years, and he's hung it up. Stafford, it's probably too harsh to call him a Band-Aid, but we know Stafford probably isn't going to play for another decade. Mm -hmm. The Band-Aid move has got to get you Super Bowl caliber. And none of those guys get you Super Bowl caliber. So that's where my hesitancy comes. A pro to doing it is from a resource standpoint, this is relatively safe, and it brings some change. You're doing something different to quarterback. You're not, you're not breaking the bank for these guys. Mm-hmm. It is somebody different. Um, so, I again, this probably falls into more of the likely camp, just because resource-wise it makes a lot of sense. But I almost think it's just like you're just doing it to say you did it, you know? Yeah, I think this is the most logical – route for me personally because of the other holes that you have to fill still in order to be within that Super Bowl roster. Any names stand out to you? In terms of free agency? Yeah, like if you're going to go that route. I know it's a group that flatter a lot of people. I I feel like the popular one to some is Ben Mariota. We've seen Mariota as a starter. Very inconsistent. I still worry about the injury factor in there with him being somewhat of a mobile quarterback you may be you might be able to get him the, for the least amount of money out of that grouping i don't know but none of those guys are just like yes i want to go buy tickets and watch him on <laughs> sunday yeah you know when you start comparing them to the other afc quarterbacks and boy that's a thing you feel with cincinnati and again um olivia Wright, cincinnati fan yeah that's what it is for you guys um just how many chances are you going to get? You know, when you look at Josh Allen, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you assume Lamar Jackson on Baltimore, you assume Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Who knows about Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, et cetera. Where's Deshaun Watson going to end up? I mean, that's just what makes it so difficult right now. This is the best I've seen in the AFC. And I don't know, maybe my brain in 2005, you know, right. w- would have said a similar thing. I was probably more worried about if girls were going to talk to me in the hallway than I was <laughs> about the AFC quarterback situation. But. Um, I also, I probably haven't brought this up a ton, Eddie, but like, I do think there's an element of return on investment and not to get mm-hmm. super like, you know, whatever financial businessy here, because Lord knows I would struggle mightily in that professional industry. Carson Wentz is due, there's a cap hit of 29 million in 2022. Like you want to start getting into the return on investment, <laughs> you know, that's a little bit different than some of these other quarterbacks on that list there. Um, okay, so that was signing a free agent. Our last one, I assume, is draft. Yep. Um, I looked this up at the end of the year. I believe I have this right, Eddie. Of the 16 teams in the AFC, only three of them started a quarterback who they did not draft. And I mean, like, as the main guy for the whole year. Uh, Colts, obviously. The Titans with Ryan Tannehill, and then the Broncos with Teddy Bridgewater starting more than Drew Locke. So that's kind of jarring. You know, I've always been team draft the quarterback. You know, mm-hmm. listeners of this podcast know that full well. I didn't realize it was to that extent. 13 of the 16 teams in the AFC with a drafted quarterback. It's so difficult to find the long term answer at QB unless it comes via the draft. You know, the Drew Brees free agency is as rare as rare can get. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, drafting the right guy isn't easy, but it's the clearest path to potential 
success. Um, and I've always felt this about Frank Reich as well. Like, I just think you're playing to his strengths. If you can identify a quarterback in this draft, and let's just throw out names, Matt Corral from Old Miss. Maybe he's got a couple traits that Frank Reich likes. Injury's going to scare some people. Uh, maybe the offense of Lane Kiffin isn't exactly, you know, projecting to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Who knows what. But do you feel like Frank Reich's coaching can take the five traits that you want in a quarterback? Corral's got two of them. Again, I'm hypothetical here. Can Reich correct one and a half of the other three and a half or whatever three? And then you just live with him not having a perfect five-trait QB. Like, is it time just to play to Reich's strengths? Is it time to say, all right, Frank, we gave you Jacob Eason. He still was what? Pick number 120-something? Yeah. Just pick 40-something. Offer you a little bit more here. Um, I get it. You know, outside of Derek Carr at wherever he was drafted, he was pretty high in the second 36th. round. 36th. Yeah, Garoppolo, I think, it was a little bit later in the second round. I mean, sure, you got a Dak Prescott. Like, I know full well, Kirk Cousins. I know full well. You don't have many answers to this. Russell Wilson, again, very rare in the NFL present day. But such a selection could offer a big reward. Um, it would take patience. It would take development. It would be a risk. The answer might not be there in 2022, and that might piss people off because you wouldn't get the immediate results. But I, I just – this is now offseason number four where you're going into it still looking for the long-term answer at quarterback. And I just think you have to exhaust every resource. And by that, I mean even though you're drafting 46 overall – with your first pick in this year's draft, you still got to look at those quarterbacks like none other and say, all right, Malik Willis, we got to go move up for that guy. Or, you know, Kenny Pickett can be Derek Carr, and we're going to move up. You know, like things like that. Um, No one gives two shits what the Rams gave up Mm -hmm. to get Stafford. No one cares what the Chiefs gave up to get Mahomes. No one remembers Buffalo trade up twice to get Josh Allen. Like, you just... You identify the QB, and you do everything you can to go get him. I agree. And you look at the draft. I mean, there's only like three or four options that will be in, in that first round. You have oh, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter. It's not pretty. Matt Corral, and then Kenny Pickett. Like, this Malik Willis, I mean, I know he had a really, really good uh, senior bowl. Right. Does he get vaulted up into that end of first round, high second round, or does he stay in that second round because – of the competition you played in college. You don't know how he's going to be against, you know, NFL caliber players. No, it's a great point. Um, and again, this quarterback class, Eddie, just to call it weak would probably be accurate. By the way, it sounds like a really good edge rushing class this year in the draft. We'll get more to the draft here coming up, but I do think that's something to keep an eye on, although the Colts certainly have spent their fair share on edge rushers. But I'm a believer he keeps swinging. Um, anyways, those are the options. Four of them. Keep them. Trade. Sign a free agent, draft one. Uh, the options are gun to head. Which one? Which option oh, would you geez, take? Man, gosh, I shouldn't have asked you to do fill in on the on the podcast. I didn't know you'd ask me the hard hard questions. None of these answers offer obvious solutions, Eddie. Um, where would I go? You know, I'd certainly look deep into a trade. Deep into a trade. You know, make them say no. The Kings with Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers, like. Mm-hmm. You know, to the rest of the NBA, he might not be available. But we're gonna—if you want this guy, you know—you got to get 
you got to give us that guy. Now, I don't think the Colts are in that situation with leverage. Um, I, I'm probably I, I've always been team draft. I need to look at the quarterbacks a little bit more. Uh, Willis has some intriguing traits. I kind of like Corral a little bit. Um, I think there's a little bit of kind of follow the leader. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into the injury and and just how kind of devastating that was for him and how the Ole Miss players reacted to that. But I do think there's a lot there. And I can I will listen to people. I mean, I've had several people DM me over the past few weeks about like, isn't the best option just to support the quarterback and then you figure out quarterback in 2023? Sure, but like, you know, is Jonathan Taylor another year older? Darius Leonard. Is Darius Leonard another year older? Like, I think Jonathan Taylor is really rare. I also have got to acknowledge the position he plays, and Father Time eats that position up more than any other. So uh-huh. that would be a little bit of a concern there. Um, dude, I just don't I don't have an obvious answer. Um, I, I, I sit here and think this. The Colts would love to trade but free agent move is probably the most likely. This is me with my just pure gut. This is no intel. Do I believe they're fed up with Carson Wentz? Yes. Top top down. You guys have heard me talk about that for weeks now. But again, solving the answer is so difficult. Um, the draft of quarterback just kind of entices me. Just entices me. And I think as an organization, you've got to look at that and say, is this the route we need to go? Does this help our head coach? Is this... You know, development necessary. The, really, the only position you're keeping intact on your coaching staff seems to be the guys around the quarterback with Marcus Brady and Scott Milanovic, position coach. Hell, every other position seems like you're having to find a new coach. So, um, Eddie, I, I would not say use your money on betting on any of those options, but this is kind of where I'm at right now. I agree with you. <laughs> uh, I think you summed that up pretty well. I think an interesting quarterback for me is Desmond Ritter. I think he's. NFL caliber, but God, he just was so bad in that semifinal game. Man. I agree. I know. Um, I, I I know that he didn't get a whole lot of help around him, but I didn't love that. Uh, I didn't either. I, I mean, the one thing that I guess you can say that his issue was was ball placement, and I guess that propped up again on at the Senior Bowl was that he would throw you know eight out of ten perfectly, and then that other two were just out of reach high and when he does miss it's high and if he's going to miss high then he's going to expose those wide receivers to a rib injury or some sort or it's going to get tipped and it'll be intercepted but I think ball placement is one thing that is very coachable and that you can fix within a quarterback with mechanical issues that he may have uh, but to me and I probably Philip Rivers greatest strength yeah and that's yeah. something that Ballard mentioned at the end of the presser or end of the season presser Eddie was you know to play to Frank's offense we want to get the ball a little bit quicker that can help your offensive line, of course. Um, man, it's just it's a fascinating debate. I think we are I think we get some clarity relatively soon. You know, I know from Let's a hope. hard date standpoint, that second day or third day of the new league year is, you know, when Wentz is due another seven million, I believe. But um it, it wouldn't stun me if we got some clarity somewhat soon. Ready for trick questions? Let's do them. All right, Blopa, Blopa. Yeah, Blopa. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. I've thought a lot about the quarterback situation. One may want Rodgers or Wilson, but they don't seem possible. Matt Ryan came to mind. The questions are: first, is it within Indy's reach? Second, is it a substantial improvement over Carson Wentz? Okay, let's go to the back one first. There, I don't think it's a substantial improvement. I think you make the argument: is it any 
improvement. Like, agree. You know, Matt Ryan might be a little bit more consistent than Wentz, but like I've long believed this about Wentz. He's got a volatility that it can be a good volatility. And I think to make a playoff run, you know, you, you need to hit that high, high ceiling. Also, I didn't realize this. Matt Ryan's cap hit is like massive. Someone was mentioning to me. Like mm-hmm. $40 million or something? It's outrageous. Like, jeez. Um, and I'll go back to what I said earlier. The Band-Aid has got to get to Super Bowl level. I, I don't think Matt Ryan would do that. Um, I did want to get to this Chris Mortensen report a little bit more here, Eddie. Um, and for those that missed it, Mortensen on NFL Countdown on Sunday basically said, it looks bleak for Carson Wentz and Indy. Probably be traded or released by March 18th when that money is due. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought it up earlier, and that's what stood out to me first initially was Chris Mortensen is saying this. Not Adam Schefter, not Ian Rappaport, not Jay Glazer, Mortensen. Mortensen is extremely plugged in with the Ursay family and the Manning family. You know, he's in the um, suite, like you said, at that national title game, Georgia-Alabama. Like, um, I found that interesting. What I also found interesting was, did you see Colin Coward's tweet? No. What was it? As well on Sunday? So Colin Coward and Chris Ballard have a nice little relationship. Really? Colin Coward tweets this. Carson Wentz's story doesn't sound like something an always prudent GM Chris Ballard would do. Sounds like an impulsive owner still pissed after the season meltdown would desire. So have we gotten to a point now where Ballard has backed away from the season and maybe his aggressive stance we saw in Wentz right after the season, maybe has that softened any? And now this is just strictly Ursay's venom? Is it to your point, Eddie, that Mortensen has this stuff from back in January and it's not his new info? Has Ballard gotten to a point as a GM where he's like, show me another option? You know? Um, someone also brought up, like, I don't really get why the Colts have let this out. Like, you're either hurting trade value, and then, you know, this is more of a philosophical statement. Right, like, right. You don't burn a bridge before a new one is built. All, all fair points. Um, I just yeah. hope they told Carson before it happened. And then you got the weird, you know told that you know Wentz and Ursay were in Knoxville, Tennessee this past weekend. I'm like, wait, what? Like, why? I could have sworn Wentz had a family home in Texas in the offseason. Like, are they going to the Super Bowl together? It sounded like it was there for at least a, a night, maybe a couple days as well. I'm like, what in the world? And then it was like Cooper Manning could be there. I'm like, wait, what is going on here? Um, <laughs> I, I was very confused by all of that, and I'm still very confused by all of it. And we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I still believe – I believe Jim Irsay is irate. Is he irate enough to step in and make a move? Right. And you have to wonder the time element in terms of lifespan into this. It's like, hey, I don't know how much longer I can be doing this. Irsay, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted, I want to ring another ring, another Lombardi, damn it, tomorrow. Yeah. And, again, seeing what all-in Rams, all-in Bucks. Can the Colts be all in? Eh, probably not to that level, but seeing them do it, and maybe, hell, maybe it was the urgency of them hosting a Super Bowl, you know? That too. Uh, maybe that played into some of it. Uh, this one from Colton. So we obviously need a tight end, but why not just roll with Mo, Mo Alley Cox, and just start feeding him the ball more? We've seen what he can do. Yeah, this is kind of a popular question that we get here. Um, you know, I think when you look at Mo Alley Cox, there is just a lack of consistency 
Um, you know, him as a route runner, him as a pass catcher, at times it's just like a little clunky. Yes. And, and like, I'm not ripping them. I mean, the dude played basketball, you know? Like, it's not like he has a heavy football background. It's just kind of the reality of where he's at. Um, I'm totally good with bringing back Molly Cox, a free agent, but then I think you still need to go out and get a tight end, assuming Jack Doyle does retire. Because also, Eddie, there's a you know an element at tight end where it's like you've got to make up for the lack of what you have at wideout too. Uh huh. You know, and we'll see. I don't know. Can Naeem Hines help in that area? I know it's something Ballard was frustrated with at the end of the year. Hines' lack of production. So um, I look at tight end and say, Kylan Granson, sure. Mo Ali Cox, sure. But you still need another one. Um, so yeah, I, I don't look at Al. I don't know if Ali Cox needs to be fed like that. I don't know if he can handle that. Um, I think he can handle something and can help you out, but I don't know if you just want to be giving him that definite, like, unquestioned number one sort of target role. I think he's just had ups and downs throughout his career, and part of that's just the dude is new to football. Colton, like you said, we've seen what he can do. <laughs> yeah, good good and bad. Yeah. You know? he uh, To me, you look at him, he's like, okay, he's athletic. Then there's times you're like, okay, he's not athletic. Yeah, it's just, yeah, the fluidity of him as an athlete isn't, like, the smoothest thing. I mean, a big freaking dude. I'm not asking him to run 4-4, but... Right. I just think there was a little bit of that. I think health plays a little bit into it, too. Yeah, I think he plays through some stuff. When he's healthy, he looks good. When he's not, he does not. Uh, this is from Gary. Uh, never miss a pod. Always love the pod. Let's go, Gary. Thank you. Uh, what should I, as a fan, expect the 2022 roster to look like realistically if Ursa and Ballard truly go, quote, all in? Of course, I agree with you. Left tackle, pass rush, lockdown corner, and beast wideout are needed. But what should I be expecting? Uh, and if you don't address one of those, which do you not address? Okay, so a lot of good points there from Gary. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I think you got room for four serious moves, Eddie. And let's just kind of put quarterback to the side for, for a second. Yep. Um, I look at free agency as two, you know, 10 double digit million dollar contracts. Um, is what you can do in free agency outside of your own building. And then you got two in the draft. As far as the one position I think you can retain, I honestly, and this is above my pay grade, but if my medical team checked off on Eric Fisher, I'd probably go with bringing back Fisher. I know a lot of people disagree with that, Eddie, but if you believe the two-year remove from a torn Achilles leads to better success, then, you know, if we're grading him last year as a pass protector, if he was a D-plus, can you get to a C-plus or a B-minus? He's still got good football in him. And that is what Ballard says, and we should probably actually point that out. I mean, Ballard believes that. So the other thing that Ballard said about Fisher, which I was like left really scratching my head, Ballard mentioned that Fisher was asked to do some things differently mm-hmm. with the Colts. I assume that means from just a like schematic standpoint, you know, protection, blocking, wh- whatever. And I'm thinking, shouldn't that have caused you hesitancy to make that move? You know he can't practice in training camp. You mm-hmm. know he's going to get no preseason reps. Now you're asking him to do things differently? Like, mm-hmm. there's a bit of projecting people into your environment that you've got to make sure you've created an atmosphere for them to succeed. That doesn't seem like the most successful plan for a guy coming off of torn Achilles in late January. Mm-hmm. That, to me, was a bit, like, head-scratching of, like, geez, this is... You know, that's a bit on kind of GM coaching. Maybe they felt like since he's a veteran and he's been around the game long enough that maybe he could make a kind of a switch in, in some degree. Sure, but again, torn Achilles, dude. Oof, I agree. That's just 
and a quick, you know, rehab with Tony Keeley's there. So, um, Gary, when I when I look at this left tackle of the future, I still think needs to be explored. But like, do you just stop gap it for another year with Fisher? And I believe pass rusher needs to be a move you explore. But the development of Pay and Dayo Adengbo is probably atop the list in terms of need that you've got to get done this year. Like, you have to develop their in-house. You spent high picks on them. you got to develop them. Uh, For me, out of that group, um, I can't do it to not address. Wide out, you got to go out. No, I can't. Ashton Doolin's never caught more than two balls in a game. Desmond Patman's caught two balls in his NFL career. Mike Strawn played, what, ten snaps after the first two weeks of the season? Uh Uh-huh. You can't bank on those guys. I think he had more inactives than he did snaps played. I'd have to check that. Yeah. But yeah, I think the, I think the two that will be most addressed, uh, my opinion, you can back this up or whatever, pass rush and wide out. I don't think corner lockdown is going to fit or yeah. does fit I the, think that's fair. the Bradley system. I can see them bringing in like a Casey Hayward. Uh, just played with them in the Raiders organization. Yep. Gus Bradley connection. Followed Gus Bradley from the Chargers to the Raiders. Team. Right, right. He's a free agent. I think that's a guy that you can get on the cheap. I think that'll be one of those friendly salaries that you can bring in uh, during the offseason. But I think wide out and pass rush are the two that'll probably get the most attention. Yeah. No, I, I, I probably would agree with that as well. Uh, this is from Patrick. Hey, Kevin, I'm just thinking with a new mindset of Bradley, a defensive coordinator, ideally more aggressive, uh, will the Colts look for more man coverage type corners instead of zone type corners? And what does that mean for the guys on our roster? Thanks for always taking my questions. Well, Patrick, thank you for sending. Um, for those that missed kind of our Gus Bradley analysis, that was on last week's pod. Um, you know, I, I brought up how I was speaking with someone that has been on a Bradley staff and they mentioned, you know, no man, very minimal press. Now, you know, Gus Bradley said all the right things at the press conference last week in the sense of like, you know, I'll cater to personnel and I don't always do things the same way at every stop. And there's a lot of validity to it. Um, obviously, you haven't drafted, to your point you just made, Eddie, you haven't really drafted to a bunch of man corners, mm-hmm. really, to me. Press is what I really like just because it can disrupt that initial timing. You, know, you think back to the fourth and one that Donald makes the play on to end the game. You know, Burrow has to hitch looking left. When he hitched, I don't think that was because of Donald. You know, Donald initially kind of gets pushed out to the outside on that first rush move. Um, I don't know if it was a mix up at the top. I'd have to look at the all well, he had all 22 uh, a little bit. So I I saw I saw a film breakdown of this somewhere. He had C.J. Uzama going out into the flat, and he was reading. Um, I think it was Darius Williams, the defensive back, of whether he was going to fall back and take the wide receiver, or if he was going to stay on Uzama. And I think Williams was in that. It was in the blind spot where Burrow couldn't see around Uzama, and that he could have came around. And deflected the pass, but if you turn right, I don't know if you saw this. Jamar Chase had Jalen right, Ramsey right, right, on right. his ass. Yeah, I know, I know. And part of me was wondering, like, you know, Ramsey, did he jump? You know, we saw him jump the first play of that drive, try to be a hero there. Was Ramsey trying to jump something? Does he hear the crowd roar? Does he know that pressure's at Burrow? Burrow's going to get rid of it. I'm going to jump it. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving Ramsey too much credit in that situation. Right. But basically, what I'm getting at, Eddie, is you disrupted Burrow's timing before Donald could finish the play. Agreed. And like that's what you get at with kind of press and stuff. Um, 
Boy, listen to Gus Bradley though last week. So to answer Patrick's question, I I don't I don't think they're gonna explore a bunch of man corners. Like I don't necessarily think that's the path. Uh, but again, to your answer, your your um, or I guess to expand a little bit on Bradley, you walk out of that presser last Wednesday. I see why guys want to play for him, and there are some free agents. We'll get into this more as free agency approaches here in about a month. There are several Raider defenders that are hitting free agency. You know, do you have guys that you know? Oh, I you know the Titan. You know, Titans aren't a great example, but you know the Packers are offering this, the Colts are offering this. It's pretty much the same. But man, I love. I hear great things about playing for Gus Bradley. Like. Yeah, that that is real. Um, does that get you over the finish line of some of these free agents? I know you got about like 10, 15 minutes or so. You're very high profile, have a very tight schedule. So, uh, <laughs> no, boy. this one is from Jordan. Hey, Kevin. Boss man wants to talk. Never good. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Kevin, what would it take, in your opinion, to get the first round, uh, to get into the first round to draft a quarterback if there is one they like? And do you think that is uh, the better option versus anyone in the free agent market or rolling with Wentz? Okay, Jordan, good question. I did the trade value chart, Eddie. Um, I believe I saw this. If the Colts gave up their third rounder, they could go from the middle of the second where they are right now to the back end of the first. So you'd be looking at a first-round pick, obviously nothing in the second, obviously nothing in the third, and then you'd pick again in the fourth. I think they would have a couple compensatory picks coming their way a little bit later. I thought they still had a third. Well, no, I'm saying under this scenario you'd be trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your second and, and your third. The advantage, obviously, is you get the fifth-year rookie option on that quarterback mm-hmm. you know, with all first-round picks, which is critical at that position uh, as well. And again, Jordan, you know there will be people on draft night that if that happens, they're going to be like, "Why? You know, the Colts need more draft picks. They don't have first rounder." Eddie, if you hit on it, what did the Ravens trade up to get into the first round to take Lamar Jackson? Didn't they trade up to get that last pick of the first round and take yep. Lamar? It's an argument that we'll have on April 29th, and it's an argument that if you hit on the pick, you'll never have it again. In the hit. What could that third-round pick have been? You know, it could be, it could be T.Y. Hilton. It could also be Dejon Smith. Like, <laughs> you know, that's just the reality of where you know where you're at there. Um, so yeah, I, I that's what it would look like, Jordan. To your answer, I think you'd be giving up your third rounder and obviously your second to move into the first. Uh, this is from Simpson. If the Colts are looking to create cap room slash lower their offensive line investment, is the move to trade Kelly and slot Pinter in as a replacement? Kelly has had some injury issues, is aging, and is expensive. What are your thoughts? Simpson, I think this is a great, great question. Um, Eddie, at some point you got to sacrifice at some spots. Interior offensive line is typically an area where you see NFL teams sacrifice. We went over the O-line investments last week on the Mm -hmm. pod with the two Super Bowl participants. I would say every time, and I I like Ryan Kelly. I I like how he's wired. Um, I think he brings kind of an element that's needed in that O-line room. He's really smart, too. Yeah, very smart, and I also just kind of more of kind of the hard-ass mentality where I was getting at, but no, I'm glad you pointed that out. The fact that Every time I listen to the Colts talk about Danny Pinter, I walk away thinking, wow, they love him, and they love him at center, not guard. Mm-hmm. Or I should say center much more than guard. It's probably a better way to put it. So I'm just kind of thinking, when is that passing of the torch? Is it ever going to happen? I mean, to be fair, Ryan Kelly's drafted 18th overall. Danny Pinter was drafted 160-something overall, wherever he was. Like There is a different level there, but again— 
you know, Kelly was always kind of a I think he was an older rookie if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. So he kind of had that going against him. So that I think is something to keep uh just to kind of keep in mind of like, all right, w- can you sacrifice? Where do you sacrifice? Are you able to save money there? One thing I wanted to clarify, um, I, we had a question about Carson Wentz and the restructuring of his of his contract on the last podcast, and I, I don't know if I honestly was very accurate in kind of speaking to it. Somebody asked me this question on Twitter, and I don't know if – I'm sure some people out there, there's a great cap, Colts cap Kyle it does a great job of kind of like I've never heard of that guy before. Keeping like uh, much more intel, like with, the Tony East of the Colts. Is yes, that what you're saying? exactly. With the salary cap of the Colts, um, basically, I was asked, you know, what would a Wentz restructure look like? I threw that at him, and he goes, "A pay cut isn't really possible for Wentz. Fifteen of his twenty-two million base salary is already guaranteed, and the other seven million becomes guaranteed on March nineteenth. So he has no incentive to restructure." Restructure doesn't make sense uh, either, or I guess a pay cut. He doesn't have a reason to take a pay cut. A restructure doesn't make sense either because it would push dead money into future years mm-hmm. where there isn't any currently. The best financial move would be to trade him before March 19th. Then you have zero dead cap, but that means you have to find someone willing to pay him that guaranteed money. So I wanted to clarify what we said last week um, with the cap. All right, we got four more. Yes, okay. I didn't know Juan Pablo Montoya was a big fan of the pod. Hey now, we, we are global. Juan Pablo, fiery individual, great racer. <laughs> I don't know if this is actually from Juan Pablo Montoya, but this is from Juan Pablo. Hey, Kevin, hope the family is doing great and not so cold these days. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Indiana in February, Juan Pablo. <laughs> I have a question for the podcast for this week. Do you think that Mr. Ursay will stay quiet if during the offseason he sees Ballard with his same M.O., not going after any proven wide receiver, tight end, or even pass rushers, if he goes if he goes as always after third-string free agents, will Ursay let the season play out, or will he say, wait a minute, Chris, we just this just doesn't work anymore. You have to sign these guys, and it's not negotiable. Sorry. Just wondering, because I believe after listening to Ballard, he will remain stubborn about getting proven weapons for the offense. Thank you, as always, for the awesome job you do, and thank you to Chris, too. Take care, your friend from Colombia. Juan Pablo, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it, and uh, glad that you're listening. Hope all is safe down in Colombia. Um I don't think you can afford to say, wait a minute. You know, I, I just don't think you're in a position anymore. I, I, you know, meddling is such a bad word to use, but like, I think you have to step in. Like, you know, you got to do things differently. I'm such a firm believer in that. Like, you know, Eddie, if this podcast was getting like 123 downloads into what, this is probably like the fourth year, fifth year I've done this podcast. Probably be time to do some things differently, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, if you are a, the Colts have been an average football team in the Chris Ballard era. I think that's pretty accurate if you look at the record, if you look at where they finished the AFC, whatever. Okay, let's do some things differently. You know, you can have a blueprint, you can have core philosophies, tweaks, adjustments. I I think those are necessary. Um, so I don't think Ballard is at a point. You know, I'm curious going back to the. Jim Irsay is demanding changes. What are those changes? To me, the most likely change that would be substantial as well would be the free agency philosophy. 
mm-hmm. that we'll see play out here in the month. You know, the other substantial changes are a change in GM, a change in head coach, a change of quarterback, you know, firing Eberflus. Like, none of those happen. Well, we'll see about change of quarterback, but obviously the other ones haven't happened. So when you put it as substantial and realistic, the philosophy with free agency, I think, makes the most sense to me. I think the uh, the skill position, the wide receiver specifically, is something that may have irked Ursay a little bit because, yeah. you know, you have two gold jacket guys there for a while and Marvin and Reggie, and then you go Reggie to T.Y. together, both very good, even though it was the latter stages of Reggie's career. He was still a good wide receiver. And then you go from T.Y. to nobody. Yeah. No, I think it's it, it's a very good point. The wide receivers of this franchise has meant something. Yeah. Quite a lot over the past couple decades. Yeah. Quite a lot. Uh, two questions left. This one from Zach B. Hey, Kevin, love the podcast. Probably the most honest and truthful coverage we get. So very fa- thankful for that. With the free agency coming up, what wideouts do you see the Colts targeting if Ballard finally stops neglecting the position? Thanks. Zach, thank you for those words. As you know, our listeners know, that's, that's our goal. Honest, honest, honest. That's what we're striving for here on Kevin's Corner. Boy, you know, Eddie, you look at the wide receiver list in free agency. You got some guys recovering. Oh, my gosh. And Odell Beckham added to it. You, you got know, Odell. Allen Robinson, a... DJ Shark, Michael Gallup. Um, Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin, yeah, towards ACL. You know, Mike Williams is a name I've always liked. Obviously, former top 10 pick. But, dude, I feel like he's always hurt. <laughs> I feel like maybe I just yeah. watch the Chargers and I'm like, wait, Mike Williams on the ground again? I think he only missed maybe one or two games this year. It in feels like he's always playing through something, though. Right. I mean, he came out of college. He had that neck issue. Yeah. So yeah. That was That scary. really set him back. The guy in Dallas that I also like is Cedric Wilson, the Boise State product. Oh, me too. A little bit further down the depth chart there. And, again, it, there'd be a bit of projection there. But it seems like that would be more of a Ballard sort of move than some of those ones. So basically what I'm getting at is I like some of those names I mentioned. DJ Shark I think is interesting. But these are some serious injuries. You really have got to dive into that and figure out what you can – what you believe in, really. And this is just the reality of the wideout group. I don't – I mean, Will Fuller, injury riddle career, I, I wouldn't go Fuller. I said it as a Notre Dame guy. So, yeah. I really like uh, Gallup. Yep. Uh, he's one of those guys where you can just throw it up and he'll go up and get it. And that was ACL too, right? Yes. I, I'm i not worried about him as in comparison to some of those other guys because he's younger. So he should be able to come back fine, if not better. Uh, let's see if we can fit two in. Yeah, yeah, two in. Uh, this one it. from Sincere. With Darius Leonard probably not winning Defensive Player of the Year, confirmed, do you think we uh, would have, if he put up nine or ten sacks, with the rest of his stats from this year, if someone gave you the choice, would you rather take 10-plus sacks from him a year or for him to consistently get the turnovers he's gotten all year for the rest of his career? Well, I think sacks did hurt his candidacy. I mean, he had none. You know, obviously the play against Derek Carr is what we remember the most. I do think the ankle yes. limitation played into a lot of that. But as far as what would I take, the sacks or the turnovers, turnovers. I mean, for sure. But remember, Darius mm-hmm. Leonard is an off-ball linebacker. I'm not expecting him to get eight to ten sacks a year. You know, you got four guys rushing the passer up front that are supposed to handle the sacks. Sure, you want to see him around a handful just because he is such a talented dude. But no, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Uh, this one from JJ. Are the Colts made up of, quote, high-character players as they claim would a high character team lose four out of the la- uh, four of the first five 
and the last two to interim coaches when favored? You know, JJ, the high character question is one that we get a decent amount. Um, it's something that I've come around on with Chris Ballard. Again, you guys have heard me say that I still believe you got to have a couple of screw loose guys in there that can kind of offset some things, can ruffle some feathers when needed, can kind of provide that edge that I think is necessary in an NFL locker room. To me, the high character is, will you work hard to get to your individual peak? Are you self-motivated? That, I think, is the high character. Um, I just think, in general, handling success has been an issue for this team. Now, you know, NFL teams should be professionals. Like, IU basketball, they really don't handle success very well. We've seen that now for, like, several years. That's a whole another road. <laughs> and, you know, it, and like it might be a bad analogy, Eddie, but, like, the college kids, okay, I get why handling success can be difficult. Like, if you are on IU's campus and you are a basketball player – You'll have, like, four dudes willing to, like, carry your books to and from class. You'll probably have a few girls asking if you want to eat at their, you know, table at, you know, Gresham or Reed. Reed has got great food at IU if you're ever down there on campus, by the way. Um, But just, it's insane how they're worshipped. The NFL, it's like, I mean, again, you shouldn't even be a professional at this point. Like, but handling success, it's been an issue. Um I don't know if that's high character. Again, you would think the high character guys would be more able to handle that, but um, it's a fair question, JJ. So I just got a, a notification from ESPN about who the best fit at wide receiver for the Colts would be. Yeah. Would you like to take a guess as to who uh, Matt Bowen thinks? Cedric Wilson. Allen Robinson. Boy. You know, the Colts were, um, I think, interested in Robinson last year. He was coming off the ACL, wasn't he, leaving Jacksonville? Yeah. I was going to say, I thought that was the case. Um, Eddie Garrison, I've got to run to a meeting. Tremendous job, as always. Uh, hopefully our red legs will play baseball this year. Actually, hopefully they probably won't play baseball, considering. Pitchers and catchers were supposed to report today. Oh, man. Absolutely hate it. Um, in all seriousness, man, great insight, as always. Thank you for the last minute filling in. I know you got a busy night tonight producing the Pacers. So I appreciate that. Uh, no problem. I'm like the lottery for the Pacers. I come around every now and then. Uh, plug in your Twitter real fast. At Eddie Garrison underscore. Boom. At Eddie Garrison underscore. At KBowen1070. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Combine in two weeks. Later. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.